school R&B, and of course, a little smooth jazz to make it jazzy. So tune in. That's right, tune in. Every Friday and Saturday right here on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 FM or worldwide at IRLongstar.com. Howdy, howdy, everybody. This is Jared Sterrett, and you're listening to KZCC LP 106.1 Conroe and KZCW LP 104.5 in Conroe and worldwide at IRLongStar.com. Andrea Kolsky, and you're listening to Justice is Blonde. And today we're joined with very special guest, media consultant, reputation management expert, and somebody that has quite a long history in the biz, Brad Ross. Thank you. Good to be here. So one of the things we're going to talk about today, Brad, is we're going to, we're going to talk about the recent scandal that has kind of taken over involving the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the Catholic Church, what do you think they could, do you think they could use your skills as far as reputation management right now? <laughs> well, um, they need a lot more than just reputation management. Um, obviously, what's come out of the last two weeks um, is criminal in nature. I mean, the, you've got the Pennsylvania report that is extensive and goes back decades uh, involving criminal activity, cover-ups, um, and a wide range of, of issues within the church itself. So systemically, um, they need to address those issues first and foremost. Branding and reputation flow, flow from that and how they handle that internally. So, um, yeah, they've got, they've got quite a task on their hands. So according to media reports, and, and you being in the media business, you know, we know that not 100% of the things that come from the media may be 100% accurate 100% of the time. But at least the reports that seem to be consistent are vetted from documents that have um, come from the grand jury or come directly from the attorney general's office in Pennsylvania. And those folks that were sort of charged with gathering the information and trying to determine you know, what the scope was of the nature of these allegations and, and how widespread it went and, and who was involved. So as far as that scandal, at least there's, there should be some reliability because the information came directly from the folks that were, that were charged with investigating these sources. Sure, yeah. And, and, and again, I'll make it clear, I don't speak for the Catholic Church or, or any, any organization affiliated with them. Uh, my, my job and my... My career has been spent in marketing, online, uh, advertising to a degree, and also brand and reputation management. So w- when I discuss things, it's really just from an outsider's viewpoint of the industry of, of brand and reputation management and, and marketing. So um, you mentioned the sources themselves. Well, when you dive into the reports, um, the sources are the church themselves. Uh, so the, a lot of these reports and a lot of this information is coming directly from within the church itself. And so um, when we start s- sorting through information, it's important to have multiple sources. So not only did the, um, the, the, the a lot of the information come from the church, but it also came from the investigation through uh, the Attorney General's Office of Pennsylvania. So they interviewed multiple victims, multiple accusers, um, and people within the organization itself. So. Um, the best way to vet information is to have multiple sources of, for that information. And wherever you see those uh, similarities line up, that's usually where you find the truth. So I, I know that um, the, if you don't know anything about this Vatican and church scandal or the situation with the priests in Pennsylvania over the last week or so, um, you're not paying attention uh, because it's everywhere. You're living it's, under a rock. <laughs> yeah, you're living right. under a rock. Yeah. But just so everybody has kind of an understanding, let's get to the meat of it. Mm-hmm. So, and then if there's, and then once we get to the meat of it, we can talk about kind of what happens next. Sure. Okay. So as a lawyer, you hear that the, that there is at least 300 priests that have been found or have been investigated or that have been named by name in Pennsylvania that are affiliated with either being 
pedophiles themselves or being involved in some sort of cover-up or direct conspiracy to cover up allegations of child sexual abuse. What do you know about that? You, am I accurate with the number? I mean, from, from the reports that I've read, and it's you know, coming from major news outlets as well, that sounds uh, accurate as far as what, what I've seen so far. Yeah. So 300, and then they've identified at least 1,000 victims. Is that number consistent that's with at the, least? Yeah, that seems to be the, the, the same number I'm reading in different reports as well. Okay, so you have at least over 1,000 folks that have been identified by name uh, as somebody that has been possibly victimized or, you know, has provided evidence or testimony that this has happened to them at some point in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, it's pretty shocking yeah. that, that this, you know, we've heard this before. People, you know, you hear jokes about, oh, there's jokes in the Catholic community about this. I was born and raised Catholic, as were you. Right, yeah. um, mm-hmm. So it's not like this story is the first time we've heard something along these lines with, with Catholic priests. Yeah, and not only Catholic priests, but but other organizations as well. And and the, while the Catholic Church is getting the brunt of of a lot of the um, legal attention and the media attention, and it seems like that every few weeks or every few months there's another scandal that comes about. And and you know, being raised Catholic myself, and you mentioned that before, it, it does it 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 hurts. You know, it's sad. It's it's not only sad; it's shocking, but it hurts because. There are a lot of people, myself included, um, that have had a great childhood within the Catholic Church. I did. I never had any, uh, you know, specific issues or anything. I mean, my, neither my, did I. Yeah, my, my family was raised, you know, uh, through the Catholic Church, and and they do so much good throughout their organization, throughout the world. That unfortunately, something like this that is so systemic and seems to just keep coming up over and over again. Um, it's got to be addressed differently than the way it's been addressed. Right. Whatever past. has been happening in the past to deal with the situation or the problem or the horror mm-hmm. needs to be done differently. Absolutely. Um, so rather than, oh, we're going to write a memo to somebody and then send this to somebody and try to fix it on our own, you know, there needs to be, at least in my opinion, a, a higher level of law enforcement involvement when there's an allegation that's made within a community. Correct. Yeah. And so again, my expertise is in, is in PR and and marketing. So I I can't speak to the, to the systemic problems or or issues or organizational uh, changes that they may or may not be able to do. But from a PR perspective, I do know this, that people do not like the smell of a cover-up, regardless of what it is, whether it's government whether it's a church, whether it's any type of organization, particularly when that organization is involved in the lives of families and children. Um, we, no one, no one will tolerate a cover-up. And when you start smelling a cover-up and you start seeing it over and over and over again, and then you start digging, pulling through the layers and seeing that now this cover-up seems to extend all the way to the Vatican according to the, the latest allegations from the Pennsylvania AG, and he's just one state. There are other states already looking at taking action. In countries, other in states countries, and countries. Ab- absolutely. I mean, we can only speak for what, what, we, what we're seeing here in the U.S., but obviously this is a global issue. So, um, you know, one of the—this this goes beyond just PR management. This is a, a systemic problem within the organization, uh, top to bottom. Um, but then also it's, it really smells of a, of a cover-up, and, and that's what— from a, from a public relations standpoint, that's got to be addressed first and foremost. It's got to be um, a real, if there's going to be any type of recovery for, for the church or for people within the church, okay, n- not just the victims, but think about the millions and millions of people that are members of the Catholic Church. That has nothing to do with this. That are strictly just good people trying to, you know, live a good life and, and worship the way they want to worship and be involved in their community. They're victims of this too, because now there's a stigma that could be attached to people that had nothing to do with this. You know, they're they're completely um, innocent of any wrongdoing at all. But the stigma can stick for a very very long time, and that's and that's difficult to get rid of when you are when, when you see efforts or indications of cover up. Well, I think that one of the things, as far as this grand this grand jury report and the testimony that came out relating to the the priests in Pennsylvania, there were some very shocking allegations that came out. Um, One of the allegations was that 
there was a group of priests that would give the the boys that they had victimized or had planned to victimize uh, gold crosses that that was almost like a symbol for the other it was, a sig- Pred- it was a signal to other it was other a, a predator predators. signal mm-hmm. that if these boys are wearing this cross they're fair game they're not going to rush you out or something it was like basically labeling them as okay to victimize so they have you know that was and that information came directly from documents that were provided by the catholic the church, church itself, yeah. so the fact that you're getting these outrageous allegations that are coming directly from the church that that is it makes you wonder what documents were not kept or were destroyed or what what don't we know if what we know is is things that are as outrageous as these allegations with with these little boys that wore crosses mm-hmm. like this yeah i assume little boys i mean maybe also little girls oh, that, yeah there's allegations of that um so just and and taking that to the next level of where they also created pornography on church premises and and distributed the pornography. So you really, of the 300 folks that were identified, most of them, um, I think with the exception of two, are not able to be prosecuted at this point because of the statute of limitations. So we'll discuss statute of limitations and, and maybe some more thoughts from you on you know your media suggestions for the Catholic Church, or your your other ideas that you may have that can that can help them moving forward as a as a non-lawyer person in the community. But we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Justice Is Blonde on Lone Star Radio. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, check out the Ticket Stub Podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. An estimated 1 in 10 births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themilafoundation.org, because every life matters. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. This is Andrea Kolsky, and you're listening to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Radio. And today we are joined with Brad Ross, uh, advertising guru, media specialist, reputation manager, all around fabulous individual if you need your advertising needs met thank you for taking time out to be on our show today thank you for the for the glowing introduction (laughs) so before the break we were talking a little bit about statute of limitations and for the for for the folks that are just tuning in now we were we were visiting how the catholic church is once again in the media spotlight because of some priests that have come to light in pennsylvania that were victimizing children in some of the most horrific ways you you may have ever heard uh but in addition to that most of them out of 300 i believe that there are two that are able to now be prosecuted so you hear Mm -hmm. these horrible and outrageous allegations of of terrible sex abuse and then you find out like well it's too late nothing we can do about it now so as far as statute of limitations 
if you come forward in Texas and you say that you were sexually abused, um, it, you know, the when you first outcry, that's kind of where the timeline starts. There's no statute limit. You can come forward when you're 85 and say something happened to you. But if you've already told someone, there is a timeline on when a lawsuit would need to be brought or when charges would have to happen. So that's kind of where the time after you're 18 and you tell someone, I guess, but so that's where the timeline would kind of be in Texas is it all depends on who you told and when you told them, whether the statute of limitations has, has run. And and that's if it's a legal investigation, criminal investigation, criminal criminal, investigation. that's That's if you actually get law enforcement involved. Right. And, what we're seeing is that in most of these cases, if not all of the ones that the AG of Pennsylvania brought up, there was no, there was a, a concerted effort to keep law enforcement out of it, to keep it within the church. We can handle this ourselves. We'll address it ourselves. And again, back to what I said before the break, that smells of a cover-up. Again, that, that's, that's the fox guarding the hen house. Well, and if you have kids that go to their parents and they say, this is what happened to me, at least in Texas, those folks are mandatory reporters. They have to report right. that to law enforcement. Right. Now, if it happens in the church and they say, oh, well, we don't feel like going to law enforcement because it happened in the church and maybe we can pray about it or you know, maybe we're going to go to other folks in our community that are in the church community and they can give us better guidance because they know better you know, spiritually what we're supposed to do with this information. Right. Um, and we don't operate that way with any other organization. We don't, we don't tolerate that with schools. If you find out a, a school official or administrator or teacher or something like that is doing something with, with the, that's untoward with children or whatever, and anyway, gone. Right. they're gone. They, right. they, they've instantly reported to the police. Same thing with and businesses. And Same thing suspended. with every other organization. So it's they're suspended, ask questions later. It's right. protect the kids, ask questions later. Right. But instead, what we're... I think what part of the the issue that I, that that I see in the public eye is that the when you read through these reports and you read through these these allegations and everything that you describe it just seems like the church was more concerned about protecting the church not about protecting the individual children not about you know addressing an issue and this is a problem within organizations organizations have this issue when they aren't able to step outside themselves and say, wait a minute, we need to do the right thing first, okay, then address the organization second. But let's address what's happening right here, right now, particularly if it's criminal activity, immediately, and then we'll take steps from there. I mean, it's, 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 it's cause for alarm when your house is on fire and you say, well, well hang on a second, you know, I'm going to walk down the street because I'm hungry first, and, right. then, and then I'll come back and call the fire department and come put out the fire. No, you, you instantly call the authorities to help you with a terrible situation that you're trying to address. Well, what's interesting you say about that is, is I once represented a client who, as his house was burning down, his wife was eating Chinese food on the front <laughs> porch. Now, she did, I mean, uh, kind of outside. So right. it was interesting that she didn't make that, <laughs> that decision right. that she needed to feed herself. Which makes it very suspect, doesn't it, about, uh, you know, wh- well, what, I mean, what happened the, the in that police, fire? The police ruled out arson, but right. she didn't seem to have a care in the world. Well, at least she wasn't hungry. <laughs> so that, that answers your question. <laughs> but as far as, um, so in reference to what you're saying, from a reputation standpoint, mm-hmm. what Catholic Church has got to save the good people, put the best face forward, and they've got to change the change the playbook. They got to change their uh, really it's it, cultural, but what they have right now is a crisis management problem, not a branding problem. So they have to deal with the crisis that's at hand. And as I mentioned before the break, people want to see that you're forthcoming with information. So if if I am helping any organization or any group, depending on the scale of the organization, the scale of the group. The first thing you do is make it very clear that you're going to come clean with everything. You 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 allow a third party, outside objective auditor or 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 investigator, if it's law enforcement, whatever it is, that overall is a trusted third party to come in and vet the entire organization from top to bottom, and make that clear, announce that to everybody and everyone, including the people that they really owe it to the most, and that is their parishioners. 
than the actual members themselves. Well, I mean, I think that that's a good point. I think that if you have a police that, I mean, excuse me, if you have a priest that has been alleged to have engaged in this conduct, Mm -hmm. then you let all the other parishioners know there's allegations. They may turn out not to be credible, but just so you can protect yourself and your family and, you know, right. we, we no longer have him in charge of the nursery. Yeah. Or, you know, he's not running Sunday school for the eight-year-olds and, anymore. And announce that policy right. change. Again, th- these, are, these are the steps towards healing a lot of the pain that, that really can't ever be undone, but towards healing the reputation and healing the brand of the church itself and begin that road to recovery. While you're addressing the things internally, make it clear that you're addressing it. A, a tweet doesn't do it. You know, a, a couple of emails here and there saying, oh, well, we're doing our best. We're going to do this. N- make it clear to people that, look, we're getting law enforcement involved. We are opening up our, 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 our church, our books, whatever they need. We are going to come clean. There won't be any more even hint of a cover-up. That begins the road to healing their reputation. I can't, I can't address the, the, the issues or whatever, but any organization has to do that. Our government has to do that. Whenever we find corruption within our government, what do we do? We go in there and we try to, we, we want to see what all's going on. And anybody who clams up or runs away or hides information, shreds emails or whatever, we get very suspect of. I mean, we had presidential candidates that were accused of shredding documents and forgetting about emails, thousands of emails or whatever, whether it was a Republican or a Democrat. When those things happen, those people lose the public trust. You lose trust. You lose and, credibility. And, and so they can't, you can't regain trust by continuing to act untrustworthy. And I think that's, I think that that is a good policy change for the church. Instead of just be transparent, be, this is our new policy. This is, we're not right. just going to say that we're going to do better. We're going to show you how we're going to do better. You, you take an, you, you treat gonna, issues externally, not internally. We're going to say, this right. is our new policy. If someone makes an allegation, we will call law enforcement. Right. And this is really a lesson for all organizations and religious organizations, because we know that this is the Catholic Church is not the solo in this. This is this could be any church. This could be anywhere, and it is. Right, it is unfortunately in other places because you have people that uh, take advantage of these situations and take advantage of their position to uh, take advantage of people that are vulnerable, and whether. Regardless of what religion they are or organization or whatever, we have people abuse their power and all that, the time. And that is, as a former child abuse prosecutor, as someone that deals with these types of cases as a defense attorney, when you have a perpetrator who is going to um, victimize a child, they are going to find a child that's vulnerable or a family structure that's vulnerable, or they're going to put right. that they are going to groom the child and get them in a, in a way where they know what buttons to press where the child either won't disclose, maybe won't disclose till they're older or, or won't disclose in a way that's going to harm that individual. I know that there was one, um, allegation about a priest that had sexually abused five sisters in the same family. And, and I think, you know, this story that, Mm -hmm. that the mother knew about the first three, right? Yeah. And then yeah. how does that story end? Yeah, it doesn't. That, that, the sad part is that story doesn't end. Um, again, it goes back to abuse of power. Well, but I mean, as far as just to, the mother said that even though she knew her other kids had been abused at that Catholic school, she didn't know any other way for her kids to get into heaven. Right. So she, you know, said, I'm going to put my faith here. And so that mother is is the type of, person that was easy to victimize or, or her family was easy to victimize sure. because she was looking for something that the church was providing. Um, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure gave her some good parts of her life, yeah. but then they say, okay, but then this, right. this is what happened. I mean, it, it's the same mentality where you saw televangelists taking millions of dollars from people, you know, promising great things. Oh, you're going to have your prayers answered. You're going to have this happen for you or whatever. And it turns out that they're they're crooks, and again, it's it's abusing trust and it's abusing positions of power. When people have faith, people of faith, they look to their leadership as having special authority within certain segments of their lives. And unfortunately, there's a percentage of those people that find their way 
towards um, these positions and they wind up abusing that authority. And that's where openness and being forthright with information and having a steadfast policy that, that declares that anyone who suspects anything go to law enforcement because that is a, they are a third party entity. They, they don't have a vested interest here. Sure, sure, some individuals maybe, I mean, you saw even in Pennsylvania, Members of of the um, grand jury, they were members of the Catholic Church. It they, so they didn't want this to happen, but it was the truth. The truth the truth came out about all these allegations. So they they had to. So for um, individuals that 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 take advantage of these positions of power, it needs to be made clear as a policy that look, we're going to report anything, and it's going to go to the authorities. You're going to be reported. Well, here's the other flip side, and I hate to play devil's advocate in this situation. But the other situation is that, you know, the Catholic Church has reportedly paid $3.8 billion, billion dollars in settlements relating to mm -hmm. sexual abuse allegations. That's that we know of right. um, in the last couple of decades or the last few decades. Mm -hmm. So that being said, as a defense attorney, having had children, I mean, I hate to say it, lie, because sure. you know, people don't want to believe that children can lie and say that these things happen when they don't. But I, mm -hmm. I, as a defense attorney, have either exposed lies that children have told. I've seen them, ha you know, where people come forward years later and they say, I said this when I was a child. It wasn't true. So the other flip side is that as a defense attorney, we have to, you know, I know, like I said, I'm playing devil's advocate. But if knowing that if I say this, it could be a payday for me. You know, it does also create perhaps a false sense of a lot of these allegations aren't true or some of these allegations may not sure. be true mm -hmm. uh, and they need to be investigated from a truthful standpoint. And if and if the solution is just fire everybody and stroke the checks, then then people of all right. religions are going to say, okay, if I say this happened, whether it happened or not, or if I find myself alone with a priest and mm -hmm. I, and I, they have the opportunity, then I'll, then I can follow through with the rest of the things that happened after that. Right. And, and that, that goes back to establishing within an organization, well, you're in the churches, obviously the, the biggest headline, um, um, right now, but in any organization, you have to have policies in place and how you deal with these things in a in an outside manner because right now they've been dealing with them internally and they have documents that talk about how here's how we're going to treat this and we're going to file this over here they have secret files and all these things that's that's that that didn't work they know that right. now right but moving forward any organization has to have a policy that addresses every possible scenario if we're if somebody's accused of this or this is what happens we go to the authorities and we as a as a republic we have laws that are in place to try to vet out these situations. And you said it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But from an organizational standpoint, at least you want to have some trust that what they're doing is, is going to do right by my kids, right by my family, and right by my money and my time. Because, yes, yeah, one thing that you have a lot of allegations of people being abused and criminal activity. But then when you talk about the money that's involved— in a lot of organizations, whether it's charities or churches or whatever, and a lot of that money is squandered. Well, what are the processes that are in place that we can see as an outsider, right, that will show this is where all this money goes if you give money to this organization or this church? Right. And we need to be very stringent about that as a people. Before we give up our kids, before we give up our time, and before we give up our money, what we need to do is our own homework a little bit and find out, okay, how exactly does this organization manage my right. kids, my money, and my time? So, and if anything goes bad, what what system is in place to address it right away so that it doesn't become a, a widespread problem? Well, it's interesting that you say that because there is there is a local priest, and I say local meaning Texas, that is being investigated in Dallas. In Dallas yeah. um, he's been a priest for 27 years, and I think that he originally hails from the Philippines. And he's being investigated for not only sexual abuse, but also for stealing money from the church. So right. they're saying that he stole, and I, when I say they, uh, the reports are that he has stolen between sixty dollars and $80,000 from the church. Um, so he was suspended because of that. And then there were some grown folks, some adults that came forward and said 
at least three folks said that they had been sexually abused by him when he was um, at the church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a defense attorney, if he's innocent of those allegations, um, you want to clear your good name. Right. But, you know, this individual has gone on the lamb, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, in, in future litigation, flight is evidence of guilt. Yeah. You know, if, if you have a trial and you say, well, when you were supposed to be investigated about these, oh, I, suddenly supposed, moved. Yeah. I, I suddenly moved to the Philippines, mm-hmm. a place that I had not uh, lived in 27 years. It is certainly, right. and then I had to be extradited to return. That would certainly be, at least if I was a fact finder, that would seem suspicious. Right. So I would, as a lawyer for that priest, I would mm-hmm. say, stay put. Right. <laughs> Don't and, go anywhere. And, and, and you lawyers, know? you know, a lot of times, does it pass the common sense test? Does right. the g- person in the general public, when they look at these facts, think, well, this person looks guilty. Sorry, but that's your reputation. You, you, you look guilty. So we, when uh, we'll finish covering this topic, and then we'll talk about some other interesting things that happened in Dallas today involving a police officer shooting, police officer involved shooting after the break. We're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors. We're on the radio at what channels, Brad? (laughs) 104.5 and 106.1. And if you can't find us there, Dick, where can they find us all day, every day, around the clock, around the world? Justice is Blonde's Facebook, Justice is Blonde on YouTube, and of course their podcast page on iTunes and Google Play. This is Justice is Blonde. That's right. That's right, my generation. That's right. Hey, Montgomery County and online listeners. Thank you so very much for checking out Jazzy Fives with Soul. What? You haven't done so yet? Well, you've got to tune in. Hi, I am the host of Jazzy Fives with Soul, Miss C.C. Holmes, and I invite you to check us out every Friday and Saturday from 7 until 9 p.m., where you will get the best in old-school R&B, and of course, a little smooth jazz to make it jazzy. So tune in. That's right, tune in. Every Friday and Saturday right here on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 FM or worldwide at IRLongStar.com. Are you interested in learning more about preparing quick, healthy, and safe meals for your family? Would you like to spend time with others learning tips and tricks, along with practicing and tasting nutritious food? If so, the On the Road to Healthy Living Mobile Cooking School is for you. Call Amy Ressler at Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service at 936-539-7825 to find a class near you or volunteer to host a class. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio. Broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Yeah, all about a good time. Yeah, all about a good life. You won't believe it till you see. This is going to be a fun ride. This is Andrea Kolsky, and you're listening to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Radio. And today we're joined with uh, Brad Ross, who owns his own consulting firm media specialist, media expert. Um, and if you're only listening on the radio, he's also very handsome. So you're missing out on that aspect. Brad, we were talking before the break about the Vatican crisis, I would say, and, you know, a, the priest scandal, which seems to keep rearing its ugly head. Yeah, yeah it does. And when I say the priest scandal, I think everybody listening knows what we're talking about. You and I are mm-hmm. raised Catholics. Yeah. So we want to feel good about being Catholic. So how yeah. do we how do we do that? How do we get people feeling good about the Catholic religion again? Well, uh, first of all, it, they've got to address all the criminal activity within the organization. They have to come clean, completely clean, and be completely transparent in every way, shape, or form. 
uh, I said earlier, anything that smells of a cover-up, anything that smells like you're hiding information or um, trying to distract away from, from issues that have been raised that are very serious, disturbing, long-term issues, um, anything that smells like you're trying to distract away from that is only going to elongate their problem. It's only going to continue and they will lose membership. They will lose. I mean, they're already starting. There are reports now. There's stories out now that uh, the donations to the church are way down. I mean, people just, it, it doesn't feel good right now. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, and, this, and again, this, this applies to really any organization, not just, not just the Catholic Church, but any, or any major group organization. When they make these changes, they need to hold fast to it, and they need to publicize it. They need to make it clear to everybody both in, within and without the organization, um, that this is what we're doing. And we are, we're an open book. We, we welcome, you know, we're, we're having, whether it's law enforcement or other individuals that, that, that are trusted by, in a third-party way, come in and really audit the entire system and then make changes. And some of those changes can be suggested by the parishioners themselves, the members themselves. Instead of top-down management in crisis mode, I mean, an organization needs to look to the people that make that organization what it is. And that is the tens, hundreds of millions of Catholics across the globe. The, 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 the central power network of the church needs to look to them for suggestions and how they can heal. And how, what, what do they offer to say, what can we do to make our church better? What can we, it's kind of like, it's like a company asking its customers, how can we be better? How can we better serve you? What do you need from us? And I can tell you this, that um, being raised Catholic myself, we talked about that. In my family, a topic of discussion often was, why don't priests marry? You know, they, I mean, Methodist ministers marry, and every other, every other Christian denomination has uh, ministers and pastors that get married and have families, and it's no big deal, but the Catholic Church doesn't. And that's something I think that's been a point of contention for a long time, and maybe it's time to address that. I, I don't know that that, that that addresses this particular problem that's within the Church, but it's certainly something that I know as a parishioner myself years ago discussed and wondered aloud, why, why not? And there was never really any you know, solid answer as to the, the biblical source of that of, of Well, that it's practice. not just not marrying, it's celibacy. Yeah, right. So you take Correct. a vow of celibacy in right. other religions. Like, obviously, if you're getting married, right. you're, you're, they're not expecting that you're taking no. that vow. No, so, so um, every organization has to evolve. When these things happen, they have to evolve. To keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So you see this in religious organizations. I mean, the, uh, the Mormons, for instance, uh, now allow uh, um, female, um, I guess, leadership that they didn't before. I mean, every religious organization, company, business, if you're going to succeed and you're going to thrive, you have to evolve. And usually that evolution comes from difficulty. This is a very difficult time for the Catholic Church, well, and they have to evolve from it. Well, and I think and be that, willing to evolve. Well, and I think that the Pope has shown that he is static on on some issues. I mean, it is it has. Um, does static mean you change? <laughs> static <laughs> means you don't change. Okay, you not, mean he's flexible. He's flexible. <laughs> yes, yes. So the issues I'm referring to is is recently in the past year, you know, he has said that we no longer support the death penalty, which has been around, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's always been sort of an enigma in the Catholic Church, which is that thou shall not kill is one of the commandments, but we believe in the death penalty, which is, right. it's, that doesn't, that, that has always been confusing to me how we get mm -hmm. there. Sure. Um, and then additionally, there has been some discussion that, that homosexuality may not be as bad as some folks like to think that the Catholics mm -hmm. think it is. So there's mm -hmm. been some softening on, on at least those two positions since Pope Francis has been right. the Pope. Right. So it shows he is capable of realizing that we live in a world where things change that may have been, well, this was the tradition before. And, you know, the tradition before was also to kick folks out of the church that, that were divorced and they yeah. couldn't take communion, yeah. you know? So it's, a, you know, it's that when, willingness when to the, evolve when, when half the people, in the country get divorced, you know, that's kind of ostracizing half your community. So right. I do think that just kind of realizing that religions and everything else, you know, we have to use technology at the DA's office. Now, if I, if I want to get an offense report, it's available online. Do I like right. that? Not particularly. I'd rather have <laughs> it printed out for me, sure. but you know, the fact is, is that 
we had to evolve. And, yeah. and I think that that's what the Catholic Church needs to do if it wants to get a strong membership and keep a strong membership. So yeah. I hope they— when you, when you gain new information, um, right. it's what you do with it. Right. And, and, and if, you, if you choose to ignore it or refuse it, well, you, you can certainly do that. And organizations are just like individuals. They sometimes ignore information, and sometimes they absorb it, or they try to bury it or whatever. But with new information, if it impacts your organization— then it's really up to you as an organization to make a dedicated effort to evolve one way or another. If it's true, then you need to evolve. If you plan to survive and thrive into the future, and I think that every church, not just the Catholic Church, every organization owes it to their members to evolve as the membership um, um, you know, feels is necessary for the betterment of their church or their organization because it is a family. I mean, that that, that is a family to them. You know, you don't, um, you you just, you just can't stick your head in the sand and hope it goes away and, and, and operate like it's, you know, the 1400s. You can't do that. And, And in a lot of ways, the Catholic church has evolved over time in subtle ways, but now they're really facing a big time crisis. And I think that within crisis, there is opportunity. And right. I think that's really the they way can, they need they to look can, at it. They can come out bigger and better and stronger. They certainly can. And they can take this media attention that they're getting and they can turn it around and, and have people say, well, this is right. This is a great. But thing. it won't happen overnight. As you know, right. being, a, being a, a criminal defense attorney, it takes time. You know, it takes time to get through all the investigation. It takes time to get all the information. It takes time to vet all your sources of information. But, but if you're willing to put in the time and you're willing to—, to to, to make changes as information comes available to you, 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 you will be a better organization for it. Well, and I think that there's a lot of folks that are members of the Catholic Church where it's, you know, they're going to be more dedicated to their faith because they're going to say, they're going to say, the Catholic Church needs me. They need people right. like me and they right. need more people that, you know, are, are. Yeah. so I, I feel like that, um, like you said, it could be, uh, it could be a, there, there could, there could be a silver lining to this very dark lining, cloud. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, Changing topics, we had talked a little bit before the break how there was an interesting development that had just happened today in Dallas. So there was a police officer that was convicted, Roy Oliver, was convicted today of murder for shooting a unarmed African-American teenager who was mm-hmm. leaving a house party. Mm-hmm. Um, and 15 years old, you have a son that's 15 years old. Yes. And... Um, just to think that he could go to a house party when and just be leaving and and end up not making it home when he was not doing anything wrong is just devastating and heartbreaking. Absolutely. So as far as him being convicted of murder, I've, you know, I've read some statistics that it's either one out of five or one out of six police officers are are ever actually um, convicted of, of, police officer involved shootings. And, and I believe that it's, and the victim in this case, um, was, what was his name? Do you remember? Um, Edwards. Jordan Edwards. Mm -hmm. Yes. Jordan Edwards, the victim, Jordan Edwards, in this case, he, um, I think was just a very sympathetic person. He was, you know, doing great things with his life. Hard to argue that he was a danger to the law enforcement. I think they were in a car, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how they, they rose to the level of, of reaching that deadly force where the officer killed him. But in order to be convicted of murder, you have to intentionally cause the death of a person. So the jury found that he did that intentionally. Um, they, I believe, had the lesser opportunities. They could have convicted him of manslaughter if they felt um, that there was some sudden passion or something along those lines that was more reckless. If it was a reckless act, that could have been manslaughter. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, you have negligent homicide, criminal negligent homicide, where if they thought that he had a gross deviation of standard of the ordinary care of somebody in that position, he could have been convicted of, of criminal negligent homicide. But the jury convicted Officer Roy Oliver of the highest, hardest, toughest charge. In Texas, we don't distinguish first, second, third degree murders like they do in some other states. It's just murder. Is Murder is first degree, right. or murder is the, the maximum punishment that you can get. It's a first degree. So right. the jury has the opportunity now, and Texas were one of the two states that determine sentencing. So the jury then moves on to the sentencing portion where they are they're in sentencing right now to determine how much time 
Roy Oliver gets in prison because he can mm. only get between five and 99 years or life in prison. It used to be when I first started practicing, you could get probation for murder. Um, but you have wow. to get that from a jury. Okay. Um, and actually back then, you, there was ways that you could get it from a judge, but it would would have been very difficult. Because um, it would be tough to think of a probation murder that the judge would want to do that. But right. you know, you juries have the full range of punishments. So we'll find out by next week what happened to Roy Oliver uh, as far as sentencing. So, so you mentioned a statistic, one out of what? What is it, one out of it's six? One out, one out of five, five or one out of six. Yes, yeah, so, so one out of six officers that are involved in a... Police officer involved shooting that, shooting, are, that are charged. That are actually charged and convicted, is that right? Or right. charged? That are charged are ultimately convicted. Convicted, okay. One out of five or one out of six. Okay, so this this happening is, is, a, is a rare occurrence. It's rare and it's a really big deal. Um, I will say that we'll get into more what some of the reasons are that I think that maybe his case might have been different from other cases. Mm-hmm. After the break, I'll leave you guys on pins and needles <laughs> for what my brain thinks is is one of the motivating factors. But right now we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. You can hear us on FM radio, Brad. FM 104.5 and 106.1 Lone Star Community Radio. You're listening to Justice is Blonde. What is homelessness? Have you seen parents struggle to find a job without having transportation or childcare? What about the children sleeping in cars with nothing to eat? Families shouldn't have to struggle to survive, and children should not be homeless. Family Promise of Montgomery County serves the needs of homeless families and their children. Learn about ways you can help and learn about partnership opportunities at www.familypromiseofmc.org or call our day center at 936 941-8778. A Lone Star Community Radio is ready for the summer. If you or anyone you know is looking for summer internship opportunities, A Lone Star Community Radio is a great place to grab the mic and be on the air. A Lone Star Community Radio offers a great opportunity to those interested in learning about the radio world all year round. Be an on-air personality, talk show producer, or YouTube TV podcast editor. Contact the station at info at IRLoneStar.com or call the station's message line at 936-647-3776. This is Andrea Kolsky and you're listening to Justice is Blonde and we're wrapping up the show talking about something that's active and ongoing right now here in Texas. We have Officer Roy Oliver just got convicted in Dallas of murder. He, while on duty, shot and killed a unarmed 15-year-old African-American boy. Um, and the jury came back with a murder conviction today. They're now in the sentencing phase. The father of the young man said that this verdict was actually a tribute to all the other unarmed African-American boys and teenagers that had not been convicted Hmm. um, by the uh, shootings of, of in other cases, in other cases of Mm -hmm. by white police officers. One of the things that I think was different about this officer than other officers is that, and some of the other officer involved shootings, maybe they had no disciplinary history or they had no issues or they had a clean record and there was not anything that the jury could hang their hat on and say, well, other than this instance, he had good character. So I think that one of the things that they probably focused on was the fact that at least this officer who had not been an officer very long, he had a prior disciplinary issue for his anger where he had some outbursts in the courtroom because he had to testify. And it was so, I guess, bad or outrageous that they made him go to anger management classes. Mm. So you kind of had a a situation where the jury got to hear and be on notice that maybe he was more angry or more of a hothead than somebody that was just going through the motions and trying to do their job and was just right. drastically made the wrong choice or decision. Yeah. 
So I know that while the jury was deliberating and deciding the issue, they did say that what if we are split about the justification for the murder? You know, and I think that's something that will, when you find out what the jury verdict is and when we know what that is, we'll know, you know, more about what was going on in their minds about why they came up with the sentence that they came up with. Right. So as far as law enforcement, they certainly, um, right now they could use some reputation management. It seems like they have sort of a negative yeah, yeah I, I think that's an ongoing thing that, you know, you have different segments of the community, depending on the community, that, that highly respect law enforcement, that have a great, you know, uh, I guess it, they maintain a really strong image, and then other areas of the community where they don't. And I think that's a, across the board throughout, you know, throughout this country. Um, you know, healing divisions um, between, you know, groups of people really isn't the—that's not the job of the police. However— um, by, again, applying some of the same things that we talked about earlier when it, in regards to the Catholic Church or any organization, by making it clear that, hey, we're not going to tolerate police officers that do this or do that or act like this or whatever. And by the way, here are the steps that we're taking to make sure that it doesn't happen. Because you and I both know that the vast majority of police officers have an incredibly difficult job. And it's hard to, it's hard to determine what's going on, particularly in an emergency situation. They're putting very challenging situations and they have to make split second decisions and it's not a job that a lot of us would ever want to do and i i'm so thankful that so many of them do the great job that they do but again applying that same principle of openness being transparent saying look we don't cover anything up and i think we do have a lot of police forces throughout the united states that do are that are making a very strong effort to do just that to make sure that they vet every single member of their police force and make sure that the community is aware of it now Wrapping up the show, I will say that there is a gentleman out of California named Paul Gonzalez that really could use your reputation management help because he is gaining quite the reputation for being just a despicable person. Um, he is known as the Dine and Dash guy. So what he does is he vets women um, and has dates with them, and then he splits on the check. He says he's going to get a... He's a, a he meets them through online dating he meets services. Through online, right? online dating services, services yeah. Mm -hmm. And he usually will take them to a restaurant and order like a very extravagant meal, like shrimp and lo shrimp, lobster and steak, and and then he'll then he'll take off. And and um, so just so you know, ladies, there is some responsibility that that the men have to pick up a portion of the checks in those situations <laughs> because he's now being prosecuted by. Yeah, he's facing what ten years. He's, he's facing up to 13 years for the number of additional counts that they're yeah. that they're charging him with. So his his appetite has finally caught up to him. <laughs> let's just say. So Mr. Gonzalez um, certainly could probably use a reputation makeover when this whole situation. Well, is I, over. I don't I don't know that his reputation can really be helped I don't know as that it far can as be as far as the dating reputation. <laughs> but for but for any guys out there or women, you know, it's always a safe bet to go to coffee first. That way, if they do dine and dash, you're only out about a buck fifty. So that's great advice. Yeah, that's not, great advice. not a bad way to protect yourself on both sides of the table. Thank you for listening. This is Justice is Blonde, and we are available on 104.1, 106.5. We're on Channel 12 on Suddenlink. Actually, some of my clients who end up incarcerated sometimes get to see me in jail because the jail does carry Suddenlink and also Justice is Blonde. Thank you, Sheriff. <laughs> That's right, my generation. That's right, that's right, that's right, my generation. Yeah, all about a good time. Yeah, all about a good life. You won't believe.